been moved recently by the Holy Spirit to study and research a little more in depth the life of Joseph. And in this process thus far, I must admit, it has been enlightening to say the least. We oftentimes read about the life of Joseph and we read the part where God called him. We read all the way through to where God made him the prime minister of Egypt and we forget about everything in between. We forget about what it took to get Joseph from a 17-year-old lad with a vision and a call of God to his divine destiny. The deeper and more thorough the study of Joseph, the more I understand the profound purpose God had for his life. And I reiterate once again, God has a purpose for everyone. And I also understand a little more in depth what it meant for Joseph to follow God's plan. Before we get too far along into this subject... I think it is extremely important to understand God does not create problems. He does not cause us harm. He does not do bad things to us. However, He does use those things to His advantage to get us to where we need to be. He didn't tell Joseph's brothers to sell him to a caravan going to Egypt. God didn't have a thing to do with that. But he did use that experience to get Joseph where he needed to be. Joseph would have never ended up in God's divine destiny had God not used the events and tragedy in his life to nudge him to the places that he needed to be. I don't like bad things. Do you? It would be nice if everything just be hunky-dory from from this time forward. But that's not life. God uses those things to nudge us along and to get us to the respective points and places in our life that we need to be for His purpose. With that being said, I have to wonder how the history of God's people would have changed if Joseph would have responded to those events as we so often do. Imagine yourself in a pit that your brothers had dug to imprison you in. Until they waited to decide whether to kill him, his brothers hated him. How do you think his emotions ran? And what do you think was going on in this young man's mind? Let me tell you this, and I will reiterate this again in a few moments. Joseph came from an extremely dysfunctional family. The events and changes in Joseph's life for God to be able to get him where he needed to be is nothing short of mind-boggling. You see, Joseph was the eleventh of twelve sons. He and his younger brother Benjamin were the only two boys of that family that were born of Rachel and Jacob. 
He had half-brothers. He had half-sisters. With that being said, I invite your attention to Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 20. I want to talk a little bit today about the Joseph Principle. The Bible says, Joseph said to them, and this is many, many years down the road. This is when Joseph was the prime minister of Egypt. God called him, and God called him with a purpose. His primary purpose through all of this was to save Israel from distinction. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I am, for am I in the place of God? He asked the question to his brothers. But as for you, you meant evil against me. Now here's the thing that kept Joseph on the right track. All of the years that God used the events and circumstances in his life to get him to Egypt. You, he said, meant evil against me. He acknowledged his brother's motives. He acknowledged that they were honoring to say the least. You meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence that we feel here in this house today. Thank you for the worship today as we just bask in your presence, as we exalted and lifted up your worthy name. Lord, as we come to this time, the ministry of your word this morning, it is my prayer that these words that I speak today will come from you, not from my own thoughts and wisdom because they're irrelevant, but the words that come from you are those that are life-changing. So I would ask you today to speak through this vessel. Help me to be an instrument for your glory and your purpose today. And we'll thank you for it all. It's in Jesus' name that I ask it right now. And everyone said amen. Amen. Perhaps you might think that you came from the only dysfunctional family in the world. Let me reassure you, you did not. And for the most part, there is a measure of dysfunctionality in most every family. When taking into consideration the Joseph principle, I think the first person that we need to understand is Joseph's father. Jacob is his original name. His other God-given name is Israel, which means God strives, a name given to him after he wrestled with God and clung to him for a blessing. This name is a significant improvement over his original name, I, at least in my opinion it is, because Jacob, which literally meant chiseler or deceiver. I'm glad my name doesn't reflect that about my character. Amen. His name reflected who he was, a chiseler and a deceiver. As you recall, he cheated his brother out of the blessing that came to the eldest son. Jacob at this point was an aging man when Joseph was born. And I could go into a long dissertation on what that means when it comes to fathers who are well up in years and have young children. I would add, <clears throat> I would add a family that would define dysfunctionality. The scriptures declare that Joseph was the son of his old age. Right there's a problem. 
just to begin with. I tell my sons, they ask me, Dad, why don't you discipline our children like you disciplined us? I remind them, son, that's your job. My job now is to be a grandpa, to spoil them and send them home with you. He didn't like that, but... Amen. The roles have changed. So he was a son of his old age. Jacob, original, his original name, Deceiver, was appropriate since that had been his nature from the time he was a very young man. It's not surprising then that deception was part of the ongoing problem in his family's life a little bit later on. Not only was Jacob a deceiver, it appears that he was a passive father. Here in this ancient story is a classic illustration of a man who was too busy for his family, too preoccupied and unconcerned, which meant he was too passive to deal with what was occurring in the lives of any of his children. It is obvious, he's not Europe being awful, presumptuous pastor, it is obvious by the way and the behavior of his other children that there was an issue and a problem. Because Jacob was getting up in years at this time, he loved Joseph to the utmost. Oh, Joseph, without question, was his favorite son. That raised issues right there. If you're a child of several siblings, you know what it can mean if there's a favorite child. The war is on. I mean it can get ugly. And this was the case with Joseph's family. You see, Joseph was a dreamer. He had a God call on his life. It was bad enough that he was the favorite son of his dad in his dad's old age. And he was born of Rachel and oh, how jo Jacob loved Rachel. I won't go into the story of Leah and Rachel. Time would not permit to, to, to go into depth of that, but uh, read it sometime. It's quite interesting. When Joseph was born, Jacob, as it goes, got a new lease on life. Furthermore, his great love for Joseph was underscored by the fact that he was the child of Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel. The home in which Joseph was raised was comprised of a family filled with angry, jealous, and deceitful people. Then within the hostile environment for 17 years, the other sons of Jacob had watched their father played favorites with Joseph. Oh, he made Joseph a coat that he never made for any of the other boys. Made Joseph a coat of many colors. Well, Dad never done that for me. Does he not love me like he loved Joseph? You know, this brother, he's kind of a troublemaker. He knows he's dad's favorite. He gets away with stuff that we'll never get away with. Right? Their jealousy had turned into resentment and hatred. Don't miss the closing comment in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 4. It says, And the son they hated him, and could not speak to him on friendly terms. They couldn't even talk to Joseph with a civil tongue in their head. 
If they opened their mouth to Joseph, ooh, it was ugly. They seen him coming across the field that day. Oh, their anger rose. Here comes the dreamer. He's away from dad now. We'll fix him up. Try imagine the mounting pressure in that home. It was a giant powder keg on the verge of explosion. Adding insult to injury, Joseph was a dreamer. And for whatever reason, you know how, how we do things when we're young, kind of impulsive and really don't think things through. We just, pew, there it is, we spew it out. Well, Joseph done that to his brothers. He, God gave him a dream. So instead of keeping that dream to himself and pondering those things and waiting for God to fulfill those dreams that He gave to him, he told his brothers, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, I had an insult to injury. He told them for whatever reason, he told about the two dreams he had. If that hadn't, if he hadn't had strained relations before, believe me, the dreams alone would have done the trick. He said, oh, let me tell you the dream I had. And when they had heard him out, his brother sneered. What, do you really think you are going to be our master? That we're going to serve you? Joseph, do you really? You believe that nonsense? Man, it must have been something you ate to have some kind of a dream like that. Because if you think we're ever going to serve you, let me tell you something, you young snot-nosed whippersnapper. We can just imagine how each of these brothers thought, Oh, Joe, just get a life, will you? The circumstances in Joseph's life only got worse. For many years, he was the object of mistreatment and abuse. Where was God in all of that? Oh, he was there. Oh, he was there every step of the way. Where was God when He was all by Himself? Torn away from His family and the Father that loved Him better than all the other sons. Where was God when He was motoring down to Egypt with that caravan of gypsies as they took Him to sell Him to the highest bidder? Where was God? Joseph told his brothers, in essence, God was with me every step of the way. Oh, I didn't understand it. I didn't really know what the end was going to be, but somehow I knew that God's will and His purpose was being fulfilled. Oh, my only brothers, they meant it for evil. They were just being who they were. But you meant it for good. However, I have shared all of this with you to point out Joseph embraced his circumstances as part of God's plan instead of fighting and rejecting them. I've got to stop right there and let you absorb that because I know I'm human and I oftentimes reject. Instead of embracing circumstances, I oftentimes want to reject them because that's not the way I had it envisioned. That's not the way I thought it would be. I had this all worked out in my mind how God would do things and how it would all come to an end. And 
Maybe Joseph thought that one day his brothers would just come to him and say, listen, we understand that God has called you and we want you to be our leader. Right. Not so much. So I ask you this morning, and I know there is a variety of circumstances that our church family is experiencing right now in their lives. There is in mine, there is in yours. I ask you, can you see God's hand in what's going on in your life today? Now, I will tell you there are times in our lives when at that moment we can't see God's hand. It's not till we get a little farther down the road that we look back in retrospect and we can see, well, now I understand why that happened the way it did and why that took place because God needed to get me from there over to here. If God would have sent Joseph a telegram, hey, I need you to get on, get on, get on your favorite horse, I need you to ride down to Egypt because I've got a job for you down there. God, Joseph would have said, ain't no way. Right? Well, no, I'm going to stay here with the family. I, whew, no, I don't want to go down there. That's bad stuff down there. <clears throat> Can you see God's hand in what's going on in your life? I've discovered over my many years in ministry, there are many of God's children who I describe like Jacob who walk with limp. Perhaps you're hearing this today and you're one of them. And I must ask, has there been something so painful happened that it's left you feeling vulnerable and insecure? If it hasn't yet, hang on, it will. Oh, no, that's not very encouraging. Hang on, it will. Or perhaps you become your own worst critic. Are you finding it hard to trust people? You may even be to the point you think your ministry or career is over. Or worse, it never got off the ground and you've been spiritually crippled. If that one of those might describe your thoughts or feelings today, I want you to listen to these words Penned by the psalmist from the New Living Translation in Psalms 37, verses 23 and 24. Oh, I remember, oh, this is so powerful. The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. Well, God, that is in that direction I wanted to go. But no, but that's the way I want you to go. He delights in every detail of their lives, though they stumble. Oh, how many of us have been there? We, we, we stumble. I, oh, I could write a big book on the number of times I've stumbled. Though they stumble, they will not fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Hallelujah. Imagine Joseph. I can't even wrap my mind around what he experienced in these traumatic events. And we'll get them, maybe later on we'll get a little more detail of some of these events as he traveled to whether he finally ended up, oh, whew, man, I'm glad I don't, I've never had to live a life like he did. But through all of this, Joseph felt the hand of God. Finally ended up in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar. 
God didn't tell Potiphar's wife to try to seduce Joseph. That was just the way she was. The lovely and gracious Mrs. Potiphar, she, she had an unhealthy attraction for young Joseph. He was... God didn't cause that to happen, but it happened. And Joseph ended up in prison. Anyway, it's important to note God loves to use flawed people. For when they become successful, they aren't arrogant like some who think they deserve it. Most often they're found to be a little warmer, a little more willing to reach out and embrace others. They understand that without God, they wouldn't have made it. How many of you know that today? Without God, we wouldn't have made it where we are right now. Consider for a moment before I close, and there's so much, i got pages and pages of notes we're not going to get to. Consider with me for a moment just how badly Joseph was treated by his brothers. I have siblings. We had our moments. Oh, there was a measure of dysfunctionality in our family. Every family, most every family has a dysfunctionality of some sort. But in the worst moments, I don't think I ever felt towards my brothers. And I'm the oldest of seven children. I don't think I ever felt for them like Joseph's brothers felt toward him. Oh, I wanted to box them around a little bit once in a while and knock some sense into their head, or at least I, in my opinion, you know, whatever it was worth. But imagine Joseph was so hated. One of the brothers wanted to kill him. And one of the others stepped in and said, No, we're not going to do that. We'll sell him to this caravan of gypsies coming up the road, but you're not going to kill him. Imagine what it must have been like. His own flesh and blood, mind you. Yet not only did he forgive them, he fed them. When the day finally came for them to come face to face again, when it would have been the natural response for Joseph to say, Ha, ha, ha. Oh, thank God, now my day has come. Boys, you are in big trouble. I remember that nasty old hole you dug and put me in. I remember how I felt when you sold me into the hands of the Midian caravan. When I got auctioned off to the highest bidder, I remember how I felt towards you guys. Oh no. Because you see, he understood. Gentlemen, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I ask again, can you see God's hand in what's going on in your life today? If He has every hair of our head numbered, and if He camps His angels around about those who love and fear Him, 
If the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are always open unto their plea, then we must admit that He knows what's going on. I know the question remains, how can someone do that? How could, how could Joseph even think about forgiving his brothers when they were so mean and whew, simply on the basis he saw God's hand in every detail of his life? So let me ask, do you see God's hand in every detail of your life yet? Listen once again to what Joseph told his betraying brothers. Do not be angry with yourselves. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. You see, my friends, God has a way of bringing us through rough situations and reminding us of where we came from. Then when we experience success, we realize like Joseph that it was God who opened the door and God who gave us favor and success. Then it's our turn to bless others. I close with this thought, with these final thoughts today. Understanding that we are still in God's hand. Child of God, regardless of the circumstances and the situation, you are in God's hands. Let me please allow me to share a reminder with you. That reminder. Jeremiah was told by God himself to go down to the potter's house and see how he made his vessels. Jeremiah 18 and 4 tells us, But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best. And you see what happens to us? We get so, we get so ingrained in permanization. We, everything around us we think is permanent. We drive our tent stakes so deep that when God is ready to move us to something else and do something different in our lives, we, oh no! I liked it here! I don't, no, 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 don't. But we do, we have this tendency, we, we, God does something, we, we, He calls us, He gives us ministry, we think it's forever! Joseph wouldn't have made it very far with that attitude. Because he had to get a long ways from where he came from. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand, so the potter formed it into another pot. Sometimes he just needs to take us and roll us up in a big old ball of clay, throw us on the potter's wheel again and start over. Hello? Amen? Shaping it as he seemed best. It's important to note the potter is the one reshaping the vessel. And the reason being he wanted to make something better out of it. Now here's the good news. Events and circumstances of life may have crushed you. However, you're still in God's hands. Friday evening I'm at home waiting on my wife to get home from work. My cell phone rang. She's called me. She said, I've just been involved in an accident up here on State Road 60. 
some guy come out of his lane, lost control of his truck, hit the front of my SUV. I said, I'll be right there. I ran up there, sure enough. We stood there and didn't know why. We still don't know why. But someday, it'll all unfold. Perhaps God put us together using that event. Oh, it was the other driver's fault. He admitted it. He was in a pickup truck and he tried. There was another accident they were trying to get away from and watch as they were going by the police and he tried to race in front of my wife and so he could get in the lane in front of her and he didn't get quite far enough and he lost control of his truck. It slid and We don't know why these things happen. She was just trying to get home after long days at work. Not bothering a soul. I guarantee you she had some good Christian music going on inside of that vehicle. Worshiping God all the way home, but perhaps somewhere down the road, we'll know why. Maybe God is using this gentleman's misdirection and his miscalculation to bring us together with someone who might need to be introduced to the Savior. Your family and friends may think you are beyond repair, but God doesn't. And His opinion is the only one that counts and makes the difference. Your life may seem out of control today, but in reality, you're still on the potter's wheel. You ever felt that way like your life? It's spiraling down the hill out of control, and I don't know what to do. I've been there more times than I really care to remember. And I probably will be a few more times before I leave this world. But always still in the potter's wheel. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, the Lord told Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah was at one of those crossroads in his life when, I don't understand what... Oh, Jeremiah, you understand how you're still on the potter's wheel. I, I had to start, you know, I, I've done some reshaping here and some remake. One day a friend of Michelangelo saw him working on a piece, and I've used this before as be kind of redundant for some of you that's heard this a time or two, but he saw Michelangelo working on a piece of marble he'd found on a rubbish dump near Rome. When he asked the master sculptor what he was doing, he replied, there's an angel inside and I'm going to bring him out. God's will is inside and he's going to bring it out. What a wonderful thought and analogy from rubbish dump to showcase, from a piece of reject marble to a priceless work of art. You see, my friends, that's what God does. While praying, Hannah said this, as recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and He has set the world upon them. I kind of feel better about things now that I think about that. 
When Jesus called his disciples, he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It's important for all to understand, you're not born qualified, but we become qualified by the power of God's Holy Spirit living and abiding within us. We need to spend how we do so by spending quality time with Jesus Christ. So stay where the Lord has you today. Don't, don't fight the circumstance. Do like Joseph did and embrace it. Oh, pastor, that's craziness. No. No. Joseph embraced it. How do you know that? Because when he got to Egypt, and he had numbers of opportunities, he could have escaped and ran back home. He didn't. While he was the head of Potiphar's house, he could have saddled him up a camel one day, said, Potiphar, it's been fun. It's been nice. I'm going back home. He didn't. He stayed right where God had arranged for him to be. Amen. Brother Dave, would you come? So stay where the Lord has you today within that circumstance and embrace it. Tomorrow, you will be glad you did. Amen. Oh, I could go on for a while longer, but let's worship for a moment. Let's pray. I know. I know. You've looked at some of those circumstances and you wondered how. I never thought it would end up this way. I never dreamed. I never dreamed. But someday, if not now, if not on this side of glory, you will understand. What was Sister D. Hart? We'll know one day why. And how God used all of these chain of events to get us to where we need to be to fulfill His ultimate. Each of you have a purpose. He did not call anyone to just sit idly by and watch time whiz by. He, he did not call us just so we could occupy a space and time. And a, but He called us for His glorious purpose. His glorious purpose. That when it's all said and done, one day, Sister D. Hart, he'll look at you and say, Well done. Well done. Sister Goldsbury, one day, he'll say, Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Would you stand?